You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton, Dylan Terriman, and Alex Varallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio, and we are on the eve of the start of training camp, folks. Football season is about to get underway. Robert Solomon with the media today, <clears throat> and of course, a major topic. By the way, uh, where this is not the normal time for the show. Nothing's normal at the moment. Uh, we're uh, it's just going to be myself today. Short show, discuss the start of camp, and want to start off, of course. Zach Wilson, uh, unless something's happened in the last 15 minutes that I missed, he is still not signed. I spoke on this show last week about the fact that he was represented by the Bosa bro- the same same agent who represented the Bosa brothers. And uh, for those of you who recall, back when Bosa was holding out with the Chargers, uh, he set out for about a month. And you don't see that very often nowadays with the new structure. But if you have an agent who insists on certain uh, guarantees that not every pick gets, uh, this being uh, offset language in the deals where it's basically telling your client you're going to find a way to make sure they get paid even if they bust, uh, which a lot of teams don't like that idea. Um, so I'm, we've heard nothing publicly. This was what happened with Bosa and the Chargers. I'm assuming, again, same agent. I'm assuming it's going to be the same situation with Zach Wilson. Uh, Joe Douglas isn't a pushover. And listen, people, you know, I've already seen a couple people get this done, get this done. Just, just, you know, get, get him to sign Joe, do what you got to do, whatever it takes. Listen, you can't be, you can't love Joe Douglas for not being a pushover because it means he gets max value when he trades his players, right? When, when the media was telling us there was no way he was going to get a first for Jamal Adams and he, he, he held strong for what he was asking for. He ended up getting two of them. And we love that. That was great. Yeah, Joe Douglas, he's not a pushover. He's not going to get bullied. He's not going to let agents and players dictate the terms. Well, if you, if you like it when it works, you can't dislike it. If And this is an if. Listen, Zach Wilson might sign in the next 10 minutes. We don't know. Um, I, I, <clears throat> I think we'll see some type of holdout. Um, will it be three days or will it be two weeks or will it be three weeks? or Who knows? But I don't think Joe Douglas is just going to cave the second the agent makes demands. And uh, the agent apparently likes to uh, likes to make news by having his guys sit out a little bit of time. So right now, that's where they stand. Robert Sala met with the media. He covered a few different things. And he basically said, look, Joe's, Joe's working on this right now. Um, you know, they're since this morning. Um, so I'm sure it's an all-day thing. Um, it is frustrating, listen, because it, it if it's a matter of offset language, it's frustrating because the money, you know, the, the everything's pre-slotted. You know how much the guy's going to make. Guarantee however much you're going to guarantee. Uh, but this seems to be one particular point with, that one particular agent uh, doesn't like to budge on. And he wants his guys to feel that if, for whatever reason, if things don't work out, if they bust at the pro level and they're off the roster or if they're off somebody's roster in, you know, two or three or four years – that they're still going to be paid as if they, they performed well the whole time. And I can understand why teams don't want to do that. 
um, as unlikely as it is, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone, you never expect any top five guy to not be, uh, to not work out, especially that quickly to wash out of the league. But that, that's where we stand is that Zach Wilson is not under contract. And based on previous history of, of, uh, players represented by his agent, I would imagine it is just about the language and the deal <clears throat> and what Wilson would be guaranteed if things didn't work out. But other than that, everyone's in camp. Everyone's ready to go. Uh, no no solid numbers on the vaccine situation for the team yet. Robert Sala did say to the media earlier today that not everyone is vaccinated, but they are above the league average. So the majority of guys are. We'll see how that pans out. And it, listen, this can get interesting. Uh, we're seeing, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins saying he may retire or consider retirement if they want to force him to get the vaccine. Same goes for uh, Cole Beasley of the Buffalo Bills. Clearly not the same player as Hopkins, but these are well-known guys. But as Damian Woody <laughs> tweeted out, you know, when, when these stories started breaking, uh, the league doesn't care. The, the league wants fans in the seats, players on the field, money in the pockets. That's it. And there is no player or there is no if, – if the top 20 guys in the league were gone tomorrow – the league would still carry on and fans would still pay to pay, pay to watch. Um, you know, bar, barring a situation where you get half the league, which already isn't going to happen because more than half is already vaccinated, but the league's going to move on. There's no player. The league can't move on without. It seems unfathomable, but listen, guys, guys retire all the time. And there's a new crop behind, behind these players waiting to come up. Uh, and the game is just too big. No, a vaccine, you know, a handful of players not getting a vaccine is not going to cost the NFL a single penny. So they want players vaccinated and on the field, no matter what I feel, you feel, players feel, doesn't matter what anyone thinks. All the owners know is we want money in our pockets. We, you know, even even with the $10 billion or whatever it was they made last year, they're probably just thinking about the money they didn't make by not having the fan, the stadiums full every week. So, with camp kicking off tomorrow, first practice is tomorrow. As Robert Sala said, today's uh, just, you know, boring administrative stuff type of day. But tomorrow, players will be practicing. Jet Nation will have, we, we were credentialed for camp. Um, so, we're going to have a few reports from the field. We don't have uh, the ability to get guys out there every single day as we have in years past. But we will have people out there, uh, some credentialed folks out there, observing practice so what are we going to be looking at off season's wrapped up roster is set you know a couple moves could be made here and there but looking at the roster as it stands what are we looking at what are, what are we going to be looking closely at when the preseason games start you know you can say preseason games don't matter but we're going to watch we know we're going to watch and we know we're going to try to figure out who's playing well and who isn't obviously whether zach wilson is under contract or not uh, a lot of us are going to be, and we're not we're not going to cover Wilson. It's just it's an obvious. I mean, all, just develop and don't get hurt. That's it. That's all you're looking for from Zach Wilson. Once he does get out there, uh, and listen, I don't I don't know about all of you, all of you guys, but I'm I am looking forward to watching the backups a little bit. I'm I, you know I, I was a big Mike White guy out of college, uh, not so much with Morgan, but these these guys could step up step in and play reps this season if there's an injury. So you want to see how they handle themselves. But but primarily, the key positions that we're going to be looking at are corner, 
because of the fact that, listen, we've been over it a million times. The Jets don't have any experience, any experience corners, all right? If you look at their roster from top to bottom, 33 starts total. All Every single corner on the roster added up has 33 starts. 16 of them are by Bless Austin. And I, I wrote this up. This is um, this is uh, I did a short piece on Jet Nation yesterday, uh, JetNation.com, talking about the you know what positions we should be looking at. And I mentioned on there, and I've mentioned a, a couple times this offseason, 16 starts for Bless Austin. The, again, that's the majority of the starts. 33 for the whole group. And Austin was one of the worst corners in the NFL last year. I still see people locking him in as a starter. I disagree with that. I think he could start if he if he shows dramatic improvement. Otherwise, I think he gets beat out by one of the young guys, Bryce Hall. As we've said before, he is going to be a starter at one spot. Lamar Jackson, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of his in terms of uh, thinking he's good enough to start right now. I think maybe you you know he's a depth guy. Maybe you even look at him at safety. But there's plenty of uh there there are plenty of names out there, and you know the, the big ones we're going to be looking at in terms of you know guys who could win a job. Jason Pinnock, Michael Carter, and Isaiah Dunn. Dunn, we've talked about quite a bit. He was the undrafted rookie out of Oregon State who's, who earned some some high marks during training camp or during uh, OTAs, rather, and minicamp. And this is a guy who a lot of people feel could have been drafted and wasn't. Uh, again, Dunn and Pinnock, both, both – listen, everyone's going to get a look. I've said it a million times this offseason. When you, when you only have 33 starts on your entire roster at corner, everyone who plays corner is going to get a look. But those are the guys I'm liking. Uh, to watch, you know, to, to watch a fair bit of this preseason. Backup quarterback we touched on. Morgan, the draft pick, you know, he's he's drafted by Douglas, so you have to figure he's got a little bit of an advantage. Mike White, the Western Kentucky guy, if you you know, if you were listening to the show a few years back when he was drafted, I was really high on him. I thought he was a mid rounder who could uh who could develop into a starting type player. And, you know, all he's seen is a little bit of uh He's had a few preseason reps with the Cowboys. That was it. Dallas drafted him, played him a little bit, and let him go. So, again, amazingly, no, not a single quarterback on the roster will have taken an NFL snap. There was a report from Brian Costello a week or so ago saying the Jets contacted the Bears about Nick Foles, nothing imminent. That would be a, that would be a, a wise move, in my opinion. I mean, it, it really would be shocking to go into week one and not having a single guy in your roster who's thrown a pass in the NFL. Um, that that would be pretty risky, but that's listen. The Jets, Robert Sala seemed genuine when he said he's willing to take that type of risk at corner. So perhaps they have the same mentality at quarterback, which is put these guys out there, let them play, let them learn, and and see what we've got. You know, and unless unless the Jets internally feel like they're a Super Bowl contender, there's there's nothing wrong with that, at least as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the next next spot where I'm I'm going to be looking closely, and and you should be too, is at inside linebacker. You know, at that, that middle linebacker spot where C.J. Mosley is going to be coming back. Robert Sala spoke about him today as well, said he thinks he looks great. Um, and it, I get it. You know, the, it's it's tough listening to these things. You want to get the coach's perspective. But then you remind yourself, you know, three minutes into every interview that every coach says the same thing about every guy every year. Everyone looks great. Everyone looks better. Everyone looks like they're improving. Everyone looks different. Everyone, blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, take it, with a, take it with a grain of salt. But Mosley... What I do like is that we did hear from some of the some of the beat reporters uh, who were out there during minicamp saying that they thought he looked great as well. Uh, and as we know, Jets beat reporters are more than happy to trash the Jets any chance they get. So uh, that you know that's a source. That are they are they on the same level as Robert Sala? No, 
but they don't have the same bias as Robert Sala. They're actually more, you know, Robert Sala wants his team to sound as good as possible. Uh, a good number of the beat writers want the team to sound as bad as possible. So to hear, uh, to hear them, you know, to hear such high marks for C.J. Mosley is encouraging, but it's behind Mosley where the Jets really don't have a whole lot to work with. Uh, Blake Cashman, you could consider, but I really think he's going to get a look at outside linebacker, and he's got to stay healthy. You know, first and foremost, that is the number one thing for him, of course. But some of the younger guys, Camilo Eifler, who we've talked about, I mean, let's face it, it's been a long season. We've talked about everyone. I should probably stop saying we talked about because there's, there's not a single guy we haven't at some point. But uh, Eifler and Noah Dawkins. So Eifler's the big hitter, the undrafted guy who played, you know, at least when I watched him on film pre-draft, played, you know, 100 miles an hour, but a little, a little bit out of control sometime, missed some tackles, missed some opportunities to make plays because he was just, you know, full on 100 miles an hour all the time, which, you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing. But if he can play a little bit more under control, a little, a little bit more disciplined, then he can be a player. Um, Dawkins, who I've mentioned, is a guy who is very athletic, uh, Citadel prospect, so there's not a ton out there on him. But with what I've been able to find, um, I like his athleticism. I like his ability to cover the whole field. Um, and he's a guy that, again, there's, there's so little depth behind C.J. Mosley that some somebody in this group is going to make the roster who is probably not being talked about a great deal. Guard is the next big one, right guard, Greg Van Roten. Um, I'm the first one to say it. When last season ended, I, I was happy with the way Van Roten finished, but I was looking quite forward to seeing him replaced, uh, being a big Cam Clark guy. Uh, but the more I watch Van Roten, and I, I like the way he interacts on, on you know, the rare time he, he takes to Twitter – it uh, just seems like just a decent dude, like a good guy. And I'm like, all right, here's a here's a good, you know, a good, not great player. Appears to be a high character guy. Played played all right on a terrible team. I'm 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 pulling for Van Roten now. More, you know, I mean, I'm pulling for everyone on the team, obviously. But I really, at the end of the year, hope like, all right, next year Van Roten to the bench. Cam Clark starts. Uh, now I'm like, you know what? If it's not Cam Clark, <clears throat> if it's not Cam Clark yet, and Van Roten ends up starting, I'm fine with that. Play, and again, with with the improvements on the line, with with uh, by adding Morgan Moses on his right side, you know, you make his life a little bit bit easier. Maybe he plays as well as he did down the stretch, and and plus some. Maybe he's you know beca- goes from average-ish starter to to being slightly above average. But even listen, not every guy. And we've said this before. Not every guy in the roster is going to be a Pro Bowler. Just you know, if 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 you have a a, a guy you can hold his own at most at the majority of your spots with a few superstars sprinkled in then you'll be fine. And, you know, we know the Jets on offense. We're hoping Elijah Moore can become a superstar. We're hoping that Makai Becton in the world of old linemen can be, become a superstar. We like what we've seen from Corey Davis, you know, as, as he's progressed as a pro, he, you know, he should be a very good player. So there, there are players on board who can carry the team if there's nobody on board who's going to sink them. And I think that, you know, Van Roten, that was a worry last year when he struggled early on. But uh, he doesn't look like he's that type of player. He looks like he's a guy who's going to have some good days and he's going to have the occasional stinker. And, you know, you kind of live with that. That's that's the way it goes. At tight end, of course, oh, I also want to mention Dan Feeney, um, right guard. I mean, all these guys are going to compete. I've said before, with, with right guard being the only spot on the line that isn't set, even though Robert Sala said today that Fant would compete with Morgan Moses, I don't I don't believe that for a second. Moses is going to win that job. And it, listen, if he doesn't, he doesn't. But that, that I would be shocked. 
But with that with that in mind, I would take every other O lineman on the roster, not named Becton, Vera Tucker, McGovern, or Moses, and I'd work every single one of them at right guard and see who, you know, may the best man win. Uh, Feeney, with his experience starting at center and guard, he may, maybe he gets a look. Um, Alex Lewis, you would have to imagine, would get a look. So there will be some veteran players, a nice mix of vets and young guys uh, getting some work at right guard. Ultimately, again, I think it's uh, <clears throat> I think Van Roten wins it, but uh, wouldn't wouldn't be disappointed if Cam Clark did swoop in and steal the job. Uh, the next big spot, tight end. Uh, not much production out of the position last year. Chris Herndon, as we've said many, many times, was a disaster through the first half of the season. Much better in the second half. No drops. Found the, found the end zone a few times. Had some circus catches. But the team was so bad, a lot of people didn't notice. Um, people still think he, you know, he dropped everything that came his way. Wasn't the case at all from week 10 onward. And really, it was, uh, was, it was his first, first target week 9 he dropped against the Chargers. And uh, from we, from that point on through week 17, he didn't drop a ball the rest of the way. Um, Kenny Yaboa, though, is another guy, undrafted free agent, who uh, we really liked out of Mississippi. And he's a guy who managed to uh, – or he, he, a lot of people think he's going to manage to find a way to make this roster. Athletic guy who, as I've said before, is, is a better blocker than he gets credit for. He's not uh, – you know he's he's not going to be a he's not going to take on elite linebackers and bury them. Nobody's saying that, but I've I've you know I've seen a few people say he's not going to make the roster. He can't block. He can't block. That's not true. He's not a great blocker, but he's a good enough blocker and he's athletic enough to win some one on ones. So I like Yaboa's chances. I I do think when all is said and done, the tight end position is going to be pretty pretty well set with uh with Chris Herndon and Tyler Croft, who is for my money a better player than he's been given the opportunity to prove as a pro. He's one of those guys you look back and just the targets aren't there, but when they are there, he, uh, he finds a way to make plays. He's a big target, good red zone guy. If you use him right, even if he's a situational guy, he'll probably get you five, six touchdowns. But uh, in all honesty, in this offense, and I, I, one of the things I'm most curious to see, uh, and this, you know, what I would like to see perfect world and I, I talked about this uh, quite some time ago, and I think I had mentioned um, former Jets coordinator, former Patriots coordinator, former Notre Dame head coach Charlie Weiss talked about how the Patriots handled Tom Brady, which, which he, you know, he hit the nail on the head. And I used to say it back then, you know, that the Patriots were doing it the right way. They had Tom Brady throwing, you know, 12, 13, 14 screen passes every week, run it. And, and you know, they had a perfect screen game. They executed it so well that there was very little put on Brady's shoulders. Hand it off, dump it off, hand it off, dump it off. Get comfortable, get your feet wet, you know, let, let him grow. And as time goes on, you ask him to do more and more. So uh, in an ideal world, I think that's what you should do with Zach Wilson. I think the fact that you've brought in, you know, you've brought in Corey Davis, you've brought in Keelan Cole, you've got Croft and Herndon, who are both very good blockers. Uh, Wesco is going to get a look at fullback. I think you have the personnel to run the ball, even when you've got a personnel package out there with, with a lot of really good pass catchers. So this, this, this offense for that reason has the opportunity to be very versatile. And, you know, it's not going to be a situation where opposing defenses should be able to look and say, okay, well, they just pulled their, their top tight end and they're bringing in their blocking tight end and, or, you know, jumbo package, whatever they're bringing in big bodies. The jets don't really have to do that. 
Uh, you know, there might be situations where, you know, goal line is a different story. But between the 20s, if you go with Croft and Herndon, that's two, block, that's two tight ends you can block. And so with that in mind and having running back, you know, having a, a Ty Johnson, a Michael Carter, these are guys who can hit the hole in a hurry. We've talked about Carter's vision. He might have, you know, the best vision of anyone on the roster. If you find a way to open holes for these guys, they, they sh- the Jets should really be able to move the ball on the ground. And it's, it's as I've said, it's not, it's not 2009 offensive line. We're not talking like a, a pack of Hall of Famers. But assuming that AVT is as good as advertised, and by that I don't mean he plays like a Hall of Famer out of the gate. I mean he just plays at a high level out of the gate. Well, then there's no reason why you shouldn't expect the, the running game to be able to dominate early on. Beckton, Tucker, Moses, McGovern, I mean – this could be a fun group. So if I'm the Jets, I go into it and say, listen, we're going to go ahead and pound the rock early on. We're going to let, we're going to let Wilson throw it, may even let him air it out. But we're not, going to, we're not going to ask him to throw it 35, 45 times a game. There's no reason for that, and there's no reason to put that much pressure on him. So even if you just let him start the season like that, pound, pound the rock, mix in some play action, keep Zach Wilson on the move, let him throw the ball downfield when it's there. So I'm not saying handcuff the kid at all, at all. Like I'm, I'm, I'm done with these, you know, hamstrung quarterbacks. I mean, don't ask him to do more than he has to do to win some football games and this defensive running game be good enough to do that and win some games on their own. And on the defensive side, or on the defensive line, I should say, we've talked about the O-line. There, there's really not much else to be said other than um, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to watch them play. You know, we've talked enough. It's been talk, 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 talk. Finally, you know, even the, the, the great thing about having such a deep D line is that even though it's preseason, there's really no point in the game where there shouldn't be one or two guys on the field who you want to see play. I talked about Jonathan Marshall. I can't wait to see that dude play. Sixth round draft pick, you know, he's not going to start, all that. I don't care. I I believe he has the ability to be an exciting young player. Um, so I want to see him play. I want to see Phillips back from his injury, Kyle Phillips. And there are just there are going to be some guys up front. Fight it being even if it's preseason week three, you know third fourth quarter, uh, there are going to be some guys in there who are probably going to make this roster. So it's exciting from that standpoint. How good the Jets look in the trenches on offense and defense, and it's just a relief that football's here, man. Um, what a miserable long off season. I mean, Jesus, really? Just think back to last season. Like, when was the last time? It's sad to think. I, I can't remember the last time I was genuinely excited about this team. I've been bummed out about this team since the day they hired Adam Gase. So I was happy when they fired Todd Bowles. And then you bring in Gase and you're like, well... I don't know what the hell this guy's going to do. I knew we beat the hell out of Todd Bowles when Bowles was the head coach. So, granted, I was wrong, but I thought, well, he's got to be an upgrade, right? What was he, 4-2 and two against Todd Bowles? Yeah, what a disaster. So, finally, properly, legitimately, moving on, starting tomorrow. Training camp only, I don't care. There will be football players on the field doing football things from tomorrow all the way through to the Super Bowl. So 
I'm excited. I know Jets fans are excited. And why shouldn't we be? Elijah Moore, Zach Wilson, upgrades on the O-line, upgrades on the D-line, a head coach who doesn't have his head up his rear end, a coaching staff that, now we'll see how it goes, but they're saying all the right things. They seem to be that, that type of staff that's going to put their players in position to succeed, which shouldn't be all that wild of a concept. To most human beings, that's a rational thought process. But then you get people like some of the head coaches the Jets have hired where it's, no, 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 we're going to run my system. But your guys don't fit your system. Eh, doesn't matter. I'd rather lose running my system than win playing to my players' strengths. It's, it's unfathomable, but we see it more often than we should. And I thank you all for tuning in today. Just a quick one, just a quick what, what to watch once, once, uh, once camp is underway, what to look for. And I'm excited, folks. I am very, very, very excited. I hope you are too. And um, before I sign off, let's, uh, let's go ahead and thank our sponsor, Miles Social. If you're a business owner and you're looking for help running, managing, all of your different social media platforms, Mile Social is there to do it for you. That's M-I-L-E social.com. You can go to milesocial.com to get yourself an estimate and see what services they can provide, helping improve your services. As I said, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it may be, Mile Social's got you covered. Give them a call or give, give them a visit at milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E social. Dot com. Thanks so much for tuning in, Jets fans, and uh, looking forward to next week when we can talk about some actual pr- training camp or not, actual player news, find out who's doing what, who's standing out, and who's stinking it up. So thank you very much, Jets fans. We will catch you next week. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets! With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.